Hey everyone, welcome back to the Show Business Podcast, the podcast where we talk about show business and business. I'm your host, Denver Bailey, and today my guest is Mason Drum. Mason is the founder of Loud Cloud Animation a stop-motion animation studio based in Oklahoma City. On this episode, Mason and I talk about everything from quitting your full-time job to become a freelancer to starting your own studio and pitching projects to clients. I think it's a very fascinating conversation and a peek behind the scenes at what it's like to be a video creator in 2023. I hope you enjoy Mason Drum from Loud Cloud Animation Studio. So like we were just saying, like, I, I mean, I honestly, I feel like I know you, but I don't. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, kind of walk me back. Were you working at a university before? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So I worked at back in from 2015 to 2000, was it 21? It was right after the pandemic was when I quit. Uh, I was working at the University of Oklahoma. So I'm, I'm based in Oklahoma, the Midwest. And yeah, 2015, 2021, I was, uh, you know, I started as a photographer at the university and then slowly kind of like nudged my way into the video team uh, just because that's what I love doing. Mm-hmm. While I was there, you know, every once in a while, the marketing team would be like, Hey, we, it's national donut day or something. And so I would, they would be like, Mason, can you do something? I'd be like, yeah. So I'd do a little stop motion with donuts or something, you know? Uh, and I really like, I really love that. So that was kind of like the, I mean, I really glossed over a lot of, a lot of growth and professional development. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of my start in the media industry. So was, uh, was stop motion like a thing in like, like, like your, your young roots? Is that like something you did when you were younger or did it kind of start I, I, in the university? I no, I have a shoebox full of yellow sticky tabs, like the little sticky notes where mm-hmm. I would do like stick figure animations. There was actually a Man, this was back in like the late '90s. There used to be a website called, I think it was like StickDeath.com. Okay, <laughs> <know> yeah. <laughs> but basically, it was like just really basic animations done in like Flash, and so I would always like replicate those animations because I thought they were hilarious, mm-hmm. uh, just with like traditional like sketch stuff, and then with little flipbooks. So, you know, if I really go back to like what was the start of animation, I had to say like the little yellow sticky, you know, sticky note tabs. Flipbooks. Yeah, the flip books That's for sure. So cool. So cool. And you have like a, obviously like a, a, a normal person job at the university, right? You probably salary and then you just decide to, to yeah. just quit. <laughs> like. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there's the, yeah. So there's like a huge, huge story. So yeah, it was, it was salary um, at, at very, com- was very cozy, comfortable mm-hmm. job. Didn't, um, uh, I, you know, when I started in 2015, I was like a real young buck and, and very green as far as just like really a lot of stuff. Before then, I was living in Japan for a couple of years. Okay. And, it, and that's when I really like got fell in love with like photography and a little bit of videography. But really, I was just getting my basics down of like exposure and composition and falling in love with having a camera in my hand and being able to kind of be expressive that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it wasn't until I moved back to the States that I got the gig at OU. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, it was a salary gig. It was really, it was fun. I was able to push myself and, you know, the team that I was working with at the time, um, it, you know, I would have an idea for something. They'd be like, yeah, go run for it, Mason. Like you're a go getter, uh, go mm-hmm. do it. And so I would, um, and so, you know, you know, as, as you're in an, um, any industry or organization, things kind of change over the course of, you know, half a decade, and so by the time I left, I was feeling maybe a little bit burnt out. Um, I was feeling like I wasn't really meeting my potential as far as like what I could offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, at, and at the same time, I had also been on the side getting more and more into stop motion and more okay. and more like my garage was where I spent most of my evenings working away at, you know, whether it's like really done for no money at all client gigs from just like local restaurants or something uh, in, in Norman at the time. Uh, to like little personal short films that were all done through stop motion. And so mm-hmm. I really got into that and really found out that like, man, this is kind of like what I want to do with my life. It's, you know, stop motion is a mix of uh, science and art. And it's, there's photography that I love. There's video editing that I love. There's um, world building and like 
like physically like doing stuff with your hands because I love building sets. I love developing. I love the actual like making mm-hmm. process of stop motion. And so, yeah, so it's all these, it's a combination of all these things that I love. And uh, when the pandemic happened, you know, I, that's when I started getting gigs through Tongle. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like I, door started opening as far as like me being able to actually work with some well-known brands. Yeah. Uh, and that's when I was like, maybe I could, uh, you know, COVID happened. Everybody at the university was basically like working from home and, you know, I'd get everything done that I needed to get done on like day one of a five day week. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then like the four days that I was getting paid, uh, to do other stuff. And I just put all my energy, um, into stop motion into just trying to like build a studio at the time it was in my garage. So I was either, you know, I was in Oklahoma, so I'm either, you know, sweating or yeah. freezing. Uh, so I'm really grateful for the studio that space that I have now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the pandemic happened, started getting that kind of opened up the door for people, um, like myself that are like living in the Midwest to like get access to clients because now you don't have to be in person to, to pitch or to like, you know, have a presence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I just started growing slowly doing more and more of it to where I was, you know, I was having to be like, Oh, I can't, I can't take on more stop motion work because I do have my like actual job to do uh, at the university that mixed with like not being super satisfied creatively at, right. at, at the university made, made me go, all right, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try to do what I love. You know, I've have a lot of inspiration from friends doing what they love and, and, uh, and peers and stuff. So, so yeah, made the jump and I've been very for, I consider myself very fortunate to have been able to provide for myself, mm-hmm. uh, doing what I love. So yeah, that's, that's the kind of a cliff notes version yeah. of, of the 2015 to, to present. How many times did you pitch on Tongle prior, prior to like, before I got, before I got one, got one. I think it was, I think I counted and I think it was like maybe 21 times. <laughs> like That's like, what I, I like start... to hear. I don't, yeah, like, yeah. I hate when I talk to people and they're like, yeah, it was uh, the first time. And uh, I'm like, what? Oh, like, no, like, no. Yeah. But it was, at, at Tongo, it was cool because I kept pitching, you know, and, you know, the first like five or 10 pitches, you don't know what you're doing, you know, mm-hmm. and you're like this, nobody, you don't know how to pitch and you're not learning. And so I would just the first 10 times are just hot garbage. I wouldn't expect anybody to want to hire me after that. Um, but then you're like, okay, well maybe I just need to like really show them that I'm not a risk for them to give me their money. And so I, I started like actually doing, you know, basically like I would do like half the work and like do an animation of mm-hmm. what I wanted to do. That was like maybe not as polished as what the finished one would be. Um, and I still wasn't getting them, but I do remember getting a no, uh, uh, an email from, Somebody at the Tongle team, I don't remember who it was, um, but they were like, hey, Mason, I just, we just want to let you know, we love your stuff. You're, keep, just keep doing what you're doing. You will get mm-hmm. something. And I'm pretty sure the next thing I pitched on, it was a, a Lego gig um, for like Best Buy. It was like an in-store video display for Best Buy. And mm-hmm. it like, from then on, I was like, oh, sweet. And then I got a sci-fi commercial and then I got more Lego stuff and then I got something. So it went up from there and just really like, was like, Oh, I can, I can do this. This can be a career in Oklahoma. So yeah. What has changed in in the way that you pitch now compared to like how you were pitching then? Like, like, do you feel like you've evolved in like the way you put together a pitch or are you still kind of doing these like half animations to secure the gig? No. So not anymore. And I think that's because I also, I have the, the body of work to show for, mm-hmm. show for it. One, I just don't have the time because the time that I have, I'm actually producing work that I'm getting paid for. And so I can't, unless it's like a really big gig or something that I just really want to do. Um, there was a, for instance, uh, like a year and a half ago, uh, there was a Jurassic World gig and like, I'm a yeah. huge Jurassic Park fan. And I was like, I, I don't care what it pays. <laughs> don't tell, you know, don't air this part. I'm just <laughs> Uh, but I was like, I don't care what it pays. Like I have to work. I have to make content that's going to be, you know, officially in the universe or whatever, you know, or mm-hmm. at least in the, from the brand itself, you know, I was like, it's too cool. So I put a lot of, I put, I threw all my eggs in that basket and like worked super hard to like say, Hey, give me the opportunity to do this. And I won that one. And it was, it's one of my favorite animations I've done. 
Um, but yeah, so like nowadays though, it's more about, it's more about, um, at least for me, and it kind of just depends, you know, there's, there's pitches to creative crowdsourcing platforms like Tongle. Um, there's pitches to agencies local, there's pitches to agencies that are, uh, not local that are, might be in a city that doesn't know LoudCloud, doesn't know Mason. So I have to tailor it to each client really. Mm-hmm. But you know, for things like Tongle, it's usually like a, a nice PDF that shows a, a good proof of concept, visual, visual representation of what I'm trying to do. And then I can typically link back to other previous work that, you know, kind of says, Hey, okay, Mason and LoudCloud can pull this off. Look at this thing that I've done already. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's kind of what I do now. Um, there's something I'm pitching on next week that's for an agency here uh, in Oklahoma City, and this this one would be like a much bigger project. And so, like, I am working with concept artists, storyboard artists that we're having meetings. I have my own small team of interns that uh, are working on different aspects of the pitch deck and like the little bible we're creating. And so, with that pitch, you know, we're we're developing a concept, and I'll go in person to actually show them all the, the material that we've, that we've made, um, with a budget that's, that's, you know, malleable depending on what their needs are Mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and then go into it that way. So it kind of just depends, you know, you're working with different agencies across the country. Yes. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. But like, like you're not, uh, you're not just with like a local agency and then like, you know, creative crowdsourcing platforms. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I don't know. I was just, I kind of just got into it during the pandemic as far as I, as far as like the actual industry part, like I was doing animation before that. Right. But I didn't start getting work until the pandemic happened. And, and so maybe it's, you know, from what I've, I don't know how accurate it is for me to say, like it was because the pandemic opened doors because you didn't have to be in person. I, maybe that's a half truth or maybe it's also just, there's an element of like, I'm going to do whatever I can to get my foot in the door and like, I'll do the work mm-hmm. to what, whatever that might mean. Um, so yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, there's agencies in, um, LA, Oregon, New York, um, Texas and Dallas, Austin, Houston. There's a lot of Texas agencies that I've, that I've worked with as well. So, okay. and it also, it really helps too that I have such a niche, the stop motion. So right. It's I, like, I, like, like a very limited, like number of people that are doing it and doing it well. Yeah. Yeah. And I've in, you know, and I, I, you know, I can kind of credit that, that direction to some of my, like the people that I've, that I've looked towards to uh, business development or creative development, whatever that have been like, Hey, don't, you know, I used to be a photographer and videographer mm-hmm. and, whatever the hell else, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. I would generalize and not specialize. And so the thing is, is like, it doesn't matter what city you're in. Like I know, I know literally 20 photographers that are in Oklahoma city. Um, that's not. And so when somebody needs a photographer, like who it's a crapshoot as far as who they're going to hire, unless they're looking for a food product photographer, in which case I would say, Hey, call Ethan Stewart. Cause he's the guy that does just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's his expertise. And then it's a clear, it's like clear for that client to be like, Oh, well, we're clearly going to put our, give our money to the person who this is their passion. And so, and the cool thing about stop motion is that it's a lot of work. (laughs) It's like, I'm not worried about like somebody, somebody else like coming in. If somebody else wants to come and do the same work, let's be friends because you're kind of crazy. Like I am like, you know what I mean? And like I Denver, you like, you're kind of like, you can appreciate that, you know, cause you, you do that as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so yeah. Um, and the, also the cool thing is that because it's so niche, like I can, I'm not afraid or I, it's not, um, it's not hard for me to reach out to other agencies that might already have like a in-house creative team because mm-hmm. the in-house creative team might k- do kick-ass live action videos. They even might have like their own like 2d animation department. It's very not likely that there's going to be stop motion needs that can be met in-house so it's very easy for me you know and this is kind of like and i've built my website around this approach of saying hey i'm the stop motion guy or i'm the stop motion studio in the midwest you can work with me and still like maintain all your creative control and it doesn't it doesn't speak to that you guys can't do it in-house because i know if i was like you know a videographer let's say 
and I wanted to reach out and get work at an agency in Austin or something. Well, they're not one, they already have people that can do that. So they're just you're not gonna get that because there's people there that can do it. So there's definitely like a need uh or for stop motion. People want stop motion. A lot of people mm-hmm. just don't know know where to start. It's been incredible. My experience has been well, once people realize, oh, there's we can actually do like good looking stop motion that's like uh quality right here in the in the Midwest and like we can you know, if it's only a state away, we can like, we can absolutely make that work versus trying to, trying to work with a big studio that's on the West coast or the East coast. So, so yeah. You were speaking to how you were kind of specializing. And I think that's very important to like be known for something. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like there's things that like, like you've become known for something and then maybe you don't necessarily want to be known for that anymore. And so you kind of feel creatively stuck in within, in, within stop motion in video in video in stop motion. Uh, no, because I think I, you know, I mean, I would not, not, not where it's a, it's been a hindrance. Um, you know, I think stop motion is broad enough for me to, to, for it to be its own specialty. Now, mm-hmm. granted, there's like looks and feels and vibes within certain stop motion studios. Like I can tell a Leica film from a Wes Anderson film from a Wallace and Gromit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, we, I don't think we've produced enough content that has its own inherent flavor to it. Okay. Um, part, of th- part of that is I'm not making episodic content. I, w- mm-hmm. I would love to, and I do have plans and hopes and aspirations to do that stuff. Um, but we're not making episodic content, so a, a singular voice or style hasn't really been associated with me or LoudCloud. Um, but also we're working with clients, so we want to be pretty adaptable and malleable to whatever like the client needs and their aesthetic and look and style. I've made so many toy commercials. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, like some days I'm like, I appreciate this and I, I love doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I want to make something else, you know? Mm. And then like, I feel like, I almost feel like I, like, like I have to be like you and make something that's not a toy commercial mm. in order to prove that like, Hey, I can, I can make something else besides a toy commercial. Uh, well, so let me, so I will say this to speak to that. There's been plenty of work that I've done that I've not necessarily liked. And you won't see that on my website. Like I only put like, I put the stuff up when I, when I'm selling loud cloud, mm-hmm. trying to get work, I show the work that I want to do. And so, and this is a great example. I did a, um, but for basically free, I did a short holiday messaging, uh, video for a company called Mondo. They're based in, um, Texas. Okay. Um, and basically they had, a. I could go get it right now, but I won't. Uh, this is Iron Giant. They, so they specialize in like pop culture stuff, um, records, uh, and like collectible toys. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they just come out with this really like beautiful, like fourteen inch Iron Giant that was very you know it articulated well. And you know as an animator and lover of the Iron Giant film, I was like, yeah. oh, it would be so cool to like make something with that. So I reached out to them and I was like, this is the type of stuff that I would want to do. Narrative stuff, like narrative commercial work is like kind of the dream. Um, and so I was like, Hey, let me, let me do this thing for you basically for free. Um, looking back on it, it's kind of crazy. Cause I spent 200 hours, 300 mm-hmm. hours in my garage, freezing my ass off, <laughs> working on this thing that I love and I'm proud of. Um, so I did this project just so I could show clients in the future Hey, this is the type of work that we can do, and it's literally like that was. I can point to that that project and say, "Hey, I got this other gig right after that because I was able to show them this one thing, and that gig um, was was paid, you know." And then that yeah. and it kind of and it kind of snowballs. But there's definitely. I mean, I did a I did a um, I did a video for Lego Nintendo that started off as a stop motion. The pitch and the concept was stop motion mixed with a little bit of live action it over the course of the project it evolved into being entirely live action which is not my wheelhouse it's not something that i feel confident or want to say like hey i'm the i'm an expert in this Mm -hmm. i can guarantee you quality with this the video turned out fine and it's on legos you know instagram somewhere um but it's not on my website because i don't want 
I don't want anybody to come to me for, even if it's Lego, even if it's Nintendo, like I don't, it's not what I do. Um, and it's not like my, my set path that I've put in, in front of myself. So, you know, you just, you show the work that you want. If yeah. you don't have the work that you want, make the work that you want. And then hopefully you'll start, that'll start snowballing. Yeah. It's such a, such a challenging thing. Like I, I, I know from my, myself, like I have like, like it's like two bodies of work mm-hmm. and it's difficult to like, you don't want to give up one thing when it, when it's it, like, it's great. Like it yeah. looks nice and stuff, mm-hmm. but then like, you're like, Hey, I want to make more things like this, but it's like mm-hmm. difficult to, yeah, it's such a you know, like well, transitioning about, throughout things is hard. Well, and Then we also got to feed ourselves, right? Like you have a family right. and, a, and a daughter and, uh, and it's like you, you, sometimes you take the gigs because, you know, they, they pay. But when I can, I try not to. And I've been very fortunate. Like, I, you know, I keep, to be honest with you, like, <laughs> I keep waiting for, like, the shoe to drop. I can't believe that I get to do what I do and that I have a studio space and I'm not, you know, scrounging for work. And um, mm-hmm. I feel very, very blessed. So I keep, you know, there's a part of me in the back of my mind that feels kind of like an imposter. And I'm like, I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. I'm waiting for... Uh, there to be a, you know, the desert arid season of no, mm-hmm. no work. And then I'm like, what do I do? Um, but, but fortunately that hasn't happened yet. And, you know, I'm just going to try to be grateful. And, you know, when the gigs, when I need to take the gig, when I, if I need to take a, you know, a gig to help pay the bills and of course mm-hmm. that'll happen. But like I said, I've been very fortunate and, uh, I don't know what to attribute that luck, fate, good fortune, whatever. That's great. So you have LoudCloud, and formerly yep. you were called. What were you called before? Yeah, that's why. Are you willing to share it? Saying. Yeah, MTW. Well, it was. So I had a YouTube channel where, and this is a. It was. It's a. It's a mess. And I still have the YouTube channel, and that's where I host a lot of like links and stuff. But um, oh, okay. MTWC making things with cameras, and the idea was just like, oh, I just need. I just need a place to put anything that I want to do, and it wasn't for like the growth sake. It was just like. If I have a platform to throw stuff out, it encourages me to like make stuff, and that was really the the gist of it. And so whenever I whenever I started getting more work, I was like, I need to make an LLC. What am I going to call it? I already had like a little bit of branding for my YouTube channel, so I was like, Oh, MTWC Animation Studio, which was dog shit. It's not good. <laughs> it's like you can't remember it. What does MTWC mean? Uh, so, that was always my question. What does this mean? <laughs> I know. Yeah, always a good. Always a good, uh, you know, sign of, of good branding when there's question marks that start popping out of people's head when they when they're trying to understand it. So, so change that. Um, this was like going on, man. What was this? Uh, going on like a year and a half now ago. So pretty, you know, LoudCloud, the uh, brand company is relatively new, um, but uh, but yeah. So we ch- we changed that up. And, and what what was the inspiration for LoudCloud? <laughs> So we wanted to, um, there's a couple, there's a couple things. One, like the imagery of a cloud. I, I, I want to like kind of hold on to the fact that I'm right here in Oklahoma city. I don't really feel like I'm going anywhere. I don't have plans to go anywhere. Um, and you know, part of my, part of my long-term goal and vision is to make Oklahoma city a, a cooler place to live in. Um, so, and I, and I think me having an animation studio gives me a little bit of a platform to provide opportunities to, to do that. Um, and so with the name loud cloud, Oklahoma, you know, if you think what it's known for is like the weather phenomenon that we have, you know, everybody kind of knows tornadoes and weather and stuff. So I was like, I'll do that. And we also have the Oklahoma city thunder as well. So there's already like some association with that. And in my, in my brain, I'm like, okay, if I'm pitching a series for, for a Netflix thing and I'm talking to studios and stuff like how is it what's what's an easy thing to remember about that the you know the studio in Oklahoma so Mm -hmm. cloud loud cloud and then there's got a little logo where it's got a hand in it the logo or the motto of the of the business is handcrafted stories and worlds so um which ties back into the fact that we're a stop motion studio first and foremost um and everything that we do is unique there's no there's no cookie cutter video we've ever done or will ever do just by the nature of the craft that we do I love that. Yeah, thanks. That's so that it's, it's so creative, <laughs> like, and it like it makes me feel like so 
stupid with my company name. No, uh, no. Like I, I wanted to change the name of my my business. Like I think it was a year ago now. I mean, probably two years. And then like a year ago, I was gonna do it. Mm-hmm. And then like I filed to like change with a DBA. Mm-hmm. And then like there was something wrong where like the DBA didn't get accepted. And it was like, well, then maybe I'm not supposed to. Maybe I'm not supposed to change it. Like maybe it was a sign. Well, ult- I feel like ultimately <laughs> the work speaks for itself. I feel like, you know, I don't, I don't want to say like, um, I feel like I'd still be getting work. You know, it just, I, it just might be a little bit more of an uphill battle as far as marketing and making mm-hmm. things, you know, maybe a little bit more memorable. Uh, if I was MTWC, like it's a, it's a terrible branding name, but again, it's still me in the, in my studio in my small group of creative people that are working together to create, mm-hmm. I think cool, good quality content. And so first and foremost of like, I would rather have a really shitty branding, but good quality than the best, the best branding ever. But like, you don't have anything to show for it. Right. And most people, <laughs> and, and I remember, I was kind of proud of myself because, you know, it's fun when you, when you're starting your own business to, to like dive into like the branding and the mm-hmm. logo and all this stuff that, cause it feels good. Uh, right. but you gotta have the work to show for it first and foremost. I think about that. I don't know if you've seen this. There's a, there's an image of Jeff Bezos sitting in his office in, in like early Amazon and the, the sign on his wall is just the Amazon name spray painted. It's not, it's not even like, a not legit, even a, it's just, just it's not, legit. A, not a legit sign or anything. It's like spray painted Amazon on his mm-hmm. wall. And of course he, he, you know, he's much younger and less attractive than he is now. So, uh, so as he, as he got older, he, he aged up and looks cooler. Um, yeah, that, the Amazon budget helped with that. I think, <laughs> I think so. the money coming in could be that. <laughs> um, so anyway, so you have the, you have this studio mm-hmm. now, uh, walk me through where your studio is now. Uh, you got, uh, you got interns, you say like, what's your, what's your team look like now? So, so right now, so it's, you know, I'm, it's me always, of course. Um, and then I, I have had, I've had two interns and, uh, you know, it, I shouldn't, I don't feel like I should even call them interns. They're just people that based on a project to project basis, I'll be able to give them money to help with whether it's sculpting material, uh, sculpting props or whatever. Cause again, the, and it really depends project to project. Um, uh, and each one of them have their own like focus or fortes of their skill set. Um, so if I need something painted, I'll call, I'll call Mars. If I need something sculpted, uh, I'll call Ross. Um, and then I also, I do have like a, what I would call like a proper intern because they're getting school credit for mm-hmm. being here. In Oklahoma city, there's one film school. That's like a, like an actual film school. It's O triple C. Um, and so, you know, all the, all the people that work in the film, industry here usually have graduated from OCCC. So I'll pull from OCCC and say, hey, you know, internship at, at LoudCloud, you know, we do stuff that most, a lot of the interns that I've gotten don't necessarily have a particular interest in animation or stop motion, but the work that we do is very much like parallels live action work. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a set, there's lights, there's storyboarding, there's concept, concepting, there's sound, there's, I mean, it's literally, it's, it's still filmmaking. It's just, this angle and element of animation and, you know, you uniquely stop motion problems that we have to face here. Um, which honestly just make them better problem solvers when you get on a live action set, which is in my opinion, much easier. Uh, in, in you say in live actions easier. I, I didn't say, Oh, Oh dude, it's easier. It's easier dog. It's e- I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying it's e- easier or I'll say this. Stop motion, I think, is maybe one of the most difficult mediums to work in. It's, it's a little bit of everything, and it comes with all the problems of everything that it's a little bit of. I love I love stop motion. I've never made anything that I would call a stop motion video or movie successfully. <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely hearing you that like it's 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 not as easy as live action filmmaking. Well, yeah, and when I'm also coming from a background of, you know, I've never made, I did try, boy, 
this was when 2017 maybe I did have my I tried my hand in a short film and it was heart garbage and I never even finished edit I never even edited it I was it was one of those things where like I had worked hard on the screenplay I had I got I, I wrangled the crew together the location the actors and on the day of the shoot like it was just so bad it was so bad and I remember like as we were like in the middle of the day of shooting uh I was like I'm not gonna edit this <laughs> It's not gonna be good, and it was. That's I was so like, terrible. I was like, it doesn't look good. Doesn't sound good. The it was uh, everything just fell apart, and it was also a good. But it was you know you need that to have the one an appreciation for what goes into that, and to and then also like, you know, probably a, a something that I constantly get myself into is I stretch myself too thin, and I'm learning as my studio grows, and as my projects and clients and contracts grow. Uh, it's I can delegate more, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's been its own like learning curve of of relinquishing creative control, but also in doing so realizing I get actually better quality from people who can specialize in this one little thing, whether it's concept art or you know puppet fabrication or you know DP work or motion control. Like I if I can like hire out to people that that's their focus, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, just like specializing not generalizing like i don't want i don't want five generalists that are good at most you know they can get by on things right. i want like i want the concept artist that loves to work on concept art and specifically a certain type of concept art or i want a dp that loves working with miniature sets and having you know working with you know whatever whatever it might be um so yeah I don't know what was that. What was yeah, that question? I, I don't. I don't know. But you, that that really like resonates with me because like when I was starting to like grow my team, mm-hmm. I thought I wanted people that were all rounders mm-hmm. because like I had you know grown from nothing and I had to be an all rounder. Exactly. Yeah. Same. Same. So I thought that's what I needed. Like I like I thought like I needed like another person that was just like me. Like they mm-hmm. they could do everything. This is not what I needed. Mm. Uh, the opposite of what I needed. Mm. Uh, so now I have two. I have two editors, and myself. But yeah. like, like now yeah, I, I know. I know that that's like where the bottleneck is. So like, they can do that. Well, you've done the work to make yourself to get yourself to where you're at, and that you'll continue to like hold the things together. Now you need to be able to offset to the specialty things. And like mm-hmm. that you, you need to be able to benefit from somebody else doing that same thing, but in their niche, you know? Right. So how many people on your team? Is it you and two editors? Yeah. R- right now it's me and two editors. And then like when there's an actual like commercial production going on, it's much, much larger than that. For sure. Yeah. So and same, same, same here. Like those are the, the interns that I have. Those are the ones that I see weekly. Uh, when we have, when we get into production, if it's like a big budget um, commercial or something, it, yeah, it can grow. You know, I'll have like mm-hmm. a unit production manager that helps with with things, um, with like a lot of like the logistical things. Um, and when then, you, uh, sorry to cut you off. When you no, get no, a yeah, big, yeah. When, when you get a big budget, because this is part of my problem. <laughs> so yeah. When you get yeah. a big budget commercial, uh, how much how much of the budget are you spending? Because and then like how much do you do you look at it and you go like this is this is what I need to like you know stick away because I kind of like work backwards of mm-hmm. like. Not like, like I think I think the the typical person's mindset is, okay, I just got ten thousand dollars to make a video. Mm-hmm. How much money can I keep in my pocket? Mm-hmm. My thought process is, how much can I spend to make this video really awesome, and then like what's going to be left over that I can put in my pocket? I and I think that speaks to probably the quality of your work and also why you why you would get those gigs because <laughs> you're gonna wanna like you if somebody's giving you money to make something for them, they want that money to as much as possible to go towards of course like feeding the artists that are making the thing, of course. Mm. But like producing this beautiful thing, whatever it is. Uh so yeah, no, I feel like I'm kind of I kinda do your approach. I think for me there's some like basic logistical needs that I need, you know, mm-hmm. from, from each project, a uh, quota that I have to hit as far as just being able to pay bills and to maintain, um, operational cost. 
uh, and also making sure that the people I'm hiring get paid fairly. Um, so there's like a base level of just like, hey, to do just at the bare minimum to do this project, it's going to cost X. Mm-hmm. I I know that this project will take three months of my time. I'm going to add Y to that because three months of my time, I need to be making X, Y, and Z for that time. And then on top, and then I'll I'll add in. I'll tr- I'll try to add in. And this isn't this is like you know if any of my clients are listening, this isn't like a steadfast rule. <laughs> but um, but you know I I try to, and this is based off of uh, a friend of mine who's like a in who's kind of my business help with a lot of things. Okay. Like he's much smarter than I. You know I'm a I'm a very creative person. The analytical administrative business side of things with with my studio has been a pain in the ass and it's something that I drag my drag my ass on and it's really hard for me to get myself in that mindset. I've had to learn and I've had to mm-hmm. like I, it's a part of it's an essential part of having a business is being business minded. But it's not my forte, Denver. Um so I have friends and and uh and uh mentors that help me with some of that stuff. And one of them was like, Mason, you're getting, you know, trying to think how I say this because I don't want to I don't want to out any numbers or any clients I had one client where I had I had said I basically it would cost let's say it cost nine nine thousand dollars to produce like that's what it would cost me to make okay not making anything I was like oh I'll ask for ninety five hundred dollars you know this was I'm being facetious here it's not the right numbers but it was like I would just make a little bit and it's like that's crazy. That's crazy. Like, right. I, like, what is twenty percent of the budget that's needed? That's what I need to be able to take and either have for you know to invest back into my studio and back into my life. And right now, my loud cloud and my personal life are very intertwined. My mm. work life balance is kind of mixed, and you know, eventually, I need to get to a point where I'm I'm paying myself like salary based yeah. off LoundCloud. And that'll happen eventually as, as, as I grow and move into an actual brick and mortar store. That's not the studio that we're in right now. This is in my home. So it's like okay. a 700 square foot space, um, which is why I moved into this home uh, just because it had this space that I could dedicate to, mm-hmm. to doing stop motion. The dream is to, and hopefully this will happen next year. I don't know. We'll see. You can call me back a year from now. Just do it. Uh, I know, I know. I've, dude, I've, I've, there's been so many times where I've just pulled the trigger and I've wanted to pull the trigger because a cool space opens up in Oklahoma City. And the thing is, I want to be in Oklahoma City. I want There's already an art scene. There's already a film. There's kind of a blossoming film industry in Oklahoma City. And okay. I just want to be a part, be more a part of it. And part of that means having a physical space. We host events all the time. Like almost every other month, we're doing some kind of event um, that's, that's, catering to the artists in my community. And if I had my own space too, it could be also like a hub for like, come to loud cloud and do this, you know? And and so that's all part of the dream. It's also, I, you know, it's out of reach, but within sight. So it's something I'm working towards towards. I would, you know, as someone who's been in that position and then pulled the trigger, I would say, pull the trigger. So you're in your, you're in your own space. Yeah, so we have we have a three thousand square foot studio space. Oh, that sounds awesome. It and like, so I'm in the studio section right now, and then so that's fifteen hundred square feet, and then the other fifteen hundred square feet is office spaces. Mm-hmm. So like, um, yeah, I I pulled the trigger on it, in like March, mm-hmm. I think, but like, I had for like a year, maybe a year and a half, like I had looked, like I would go into looking at like, like spaces thinking that like, Oh, I want to, I want to do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I, I had gone from like the garage to a bedroom to the basement right. and like I'd, I'd done all those things. I had an office very early on, but it was like, it, it was at a WeWork. I don't know if you guys have mm-hmm. those. Yeah. Yeah. So I had like a WeWork office, not for me. Um, and so I really wanted to get like my own space. And so we got this space and I mean, it's, it's significantly transformed the business to mm-hmm. like, like have a space and it is expensive, but like, 
the ability for us to just like at the like drop of a hat like shoot something yeah because like everything's so accessible and then like if like a client just like says hey on wednesday on a monday like i'd like to come shoot some videos it's totally possible yeah and like there's nothing interfering with it so like it's it's so worth it and uh yeah i'm i'm of the mindset like when you just make like if you, if you put yourself out there and like you, you take on this responsibility, somehow you're able to book the projects that pay for the space. Mm. So, That's yeah. yeah. Well, man, I should, I need I I either do need to keep listening to you. I need to not because I I want it <laughs> so bad. I will say I've throughout my career, you know, there's always the urge, you know, especially as a when you get into photography and videography. There's always that. What is it? What do people say? The um, gear acquisition, acquisition, oh, acquisition. I've syndrome. got that problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we all do. You know, it's fun. Like it's it's fun to want things. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. And also, like you know, and especially with photography, like you know, I, I'm kind of envious of painters to a certain extent because, like you know, a, a presumably, maybe maybe I'm wrong about this. A brush <laughs> is not like. Uh, seeing a brush they're not like i need the next big brush you know oh, no. like, bob ross is going for that brush he needs yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, needs to, he needs that thousand dollar three uh, inch flat he, curved whatever brush <laughs> yeah so so i've i feel that within myself uh and i always have and i i feel like in the last five years i kind of recognized that as i was as i was um really starting to get like mindful about like who who do i want to be what do i want to do with my life what mm-hmm. what is my career goal i rem- i remember saying okay first stop worrying about the stupid shit that really doesn't matter if you're not it does matter if you're well here's the here's what i'll say once you outgrow your stuff then it's appropriate to get the next thing when there's a need for the thing and that's where i'm at like right now when when i when i bought this house and got this space. There is a need for it. I I could mm-hmm. not take on more work. I was in my garage. You know, I was. It was. It. Uh, the quality I was kind of suffering because I couldn't get. I just didn't need the physical space. And with stop motion, as you know, like you really need like a good physical space yeah, to work with for it. For sure. Not just for shooting, but like all the stuff that goes into to making the the props and the elements, and then I mean, so it's it's a very like space intensive craft and medium. Um, and so when I, I'm, I feel good about where I'm at right now because it, I'm here because I outgrew the space before me. And I guess the question is, and this is what I have a question for you is like, when do you outside of just pulling the trigger? Because, you know, if you build it, they will, will come mindset, which I, which I like. <laughs> it's, and great, it's great, but like, it doesn't <laughs> always work out. Right. 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 Well, so the question is like, when do you know? when you're bumping up on the edge of your shell to get to the next shell. Right. And I don't, and I don't, the answer to that, I don't know. And that's kind of where I am in our studio right now. Mm-hmm. It's like we're, we'll occasionally get, uh, bigger gigs that would, man, that boy, it would be so sweet to have more than the space that I have right now. Right. Just so we could, yeah, I'll, and also, I, you know, I need to send you a video. If you look on my Instagram, mm-hmm. you can see some behind the scenes of whenever we did a commercial back in May and there were seven sets. Each set was three foot by like a foot and a half. And, you know, I have a right back here is like a 10 foot, 10 foot wide by five foot table. And we could barely fit three sets on them. And we literally built the table just to, but it was like, you know, it was wall to wall in here. It was absolutely Mm -hmm. crazy. And this was also the place where we were building thing. And like, it was, it was an absolute mess. And we had a big motion control rate. It was such a mess. And I was like, man, if, if I could, I would, love to be in a, a larger space to do this work because i yeah. feel like it would just benefit everything um but yeah constantly balancing you know I, much- I, w- I would say that that creatively the the space was probably inhibiting you hmm. you know like like think of think about this so like if you're in that space and you're shooting all that stuff that, that's that's great that you're getting to work on that project i, I assume mm-hmm. you're talking about the one that was like a psa with the, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was just watching it yesterday it's great I, I definitely wanted to get there we'll we'll get there eventually okay um but like so in that situation like you have to ask yourself like hey i'm working on this project right now mm-hmm. okay and it's taking up the entire space 
But then what if another project comes along that's like a quick hit? Mm-hmm. You can't take it on because your space is maxed out. Well, and with that project specifically that you're talking about, I, I was maxed out in every way, not just spatially. Like mentally, <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I couldn't focus on anything. Now, I will say when I when I moved into this current studio, that it was meeting that need because I have – you know, and if I could move my camera, I would. I have a, a top-down shooter and another smaller stage, and then I have mm-hmm. this big one right here, which is where we do. Well, it's got the canopy, you know, so you can hang lights, and then it's got the backdrops and stuff. So it makes it makes doing. Uh, I, I've kind of streamlined a lot of what happens in some reoccurring projects, right? Uh, and so I there has been times whenever I have a smaller like gig with maybe Lego, that, and then something happens with the local brewery here, uh, and I can keep my setup there and then shift over here and do those one-offs. So it has been helpful, but on the, with the scale of the one that we were talking about, the PSA, which was like a, a broadcast commercial, um, it was, that was, I one, I was absolutely thrilled and happy to have that, but it took up all of me. Like, I think yeah. even if I had the, even if I had like a larger space, it wouldn't be something that I would have wanted to try to take on a, a, a smaller one-off just because that would have taken away some, focus off of mm-hmm. the off of that but i see what you're saying and absolutely yes um because now as as we grow project the scale and scope of projects are naturally just getting bigger and bigger uh, mm-hmm. and so and and that's what i was kind of referring to earlier is like i feel like i'm getting close to the point where it's like even smaller projects i want to execute on a bigger scale and at a higher quality which means because the stop motion a lar- needs for a larger space if that makes sense mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I th- I, th- I think the, the the space is the same thing like with staff. Mm-hmm. You know, like I had, I I hired a new employee. I think he's been here a month, maybe a little bit more. So prior prior to that, I had another employee, but I had let him go, mm-hmm. and then we had like a period of a couple months where we didn't have the staff that we did have. Mm-hmm. So I was having to fill the shoes of like not having that mm-hmm. like two editors yeah. on staff. And so then when I decided to hire him, I had to make that choice financially that like, I don't necessarily need to hire him right now. We mm-hmm. have enough work to get things done mm-hmm. or get paid. And then like, I have enough power to get things done with my Mm -hmm. other editor. Like everything's getting done. Yeah. Um, But I made the decision to hire him so that I could take the next like two to three weeks and just pitch projects. Mm. And so like last week booked a significant project. So like it just makes it off. Yeah. It paid off. But had I not booked anything, it would have sucked really bad because then, you know, I, I, like I brought somebody on, you know? So like, it's, well, that's, I mean, literally I'm, I'm paying, uh, probably two, one for sure concept artists to help with the, uh, something I'm going to be pitching on next week. And it's like that money might be, you know, I, I love that. You know, like, like I said, one of my goals is to like support artists here in Oklahoma Mm -hmm. city. And like, I love that whether or not I get the gig, like I will have been able to like help support an, an artist. That's a concept yeah, artist sure. in Oklahoma. That's awesome. Uh, but if I don't get the gig, it's like, damn, that's, that's, that's a good amount of money that like I was just gone. But you know, part of it is you, again, part of, part of my business approach has been to make sure that I like pigeonhole money away for such occasions whenever like you need to kind mm. of put your eggs in a basket that you don't know if you're going to, you know, you don't know if they're going to hatch or not. Um, and so sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't, but uh, I don't know. It's just the nature of it, I guess. When it came to your, your PSA video, was that, was that something that they came to you or did, was that like something you pitched to them? How, no, how did that come about? So I, I submit to, um, do you put, do you submit any of your uh, videos to like a, uh, uh, advertising awards or video awards? You, you know, I need to. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna I tell you, I'm, I, I'm, I'm pro doing that, and I know, I know that there's, especially amongst creative people, you know, there's sometimes a kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth because ultimately it's like everybody's just like you know 
patting themselves on their back and, right. and you're paying money to submit. That said, you know, uh, last year I submitted a handful of my animations that I did for different clients. I think it was like Lego, Universal Pictures. There's a brewery in Texas. And there is a, a mental health lifeline video that I did. So I submitted four pieces of work. Uh, three of, uh, they all, they all won something. Two of them were gold, which means they actually got to show the work. Like you got featured at this big in, at the, at the event. And this is the Addy Awards? This is the Addies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is the, yeah, American Advertising Awards. Um, and so, you know, and they're regional and there's other ones too. There's like tellies and there's, uh, there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, And I'll try to sit more than likely. I'm going to try to submit as much as I can this year because I submitted, uh, I submitted that, got my name, my studio in front of, and everybody who's at these advertising awards, they're like creative directors. They're like account executives from mm. agencies whom I want to see my work and whom I want whenever they're in a meeting at their agency and they're going, how do we, how do we do this thing for our client, you know, client, whoever? Well, they're going to hope, you know, the idea is that they go, oh, what about stop motion? Because LoudCloud is right here in Oklahoma City. Like, Maybe we do stop motion, yeah. And that's what that's what happened. So like I've I've gotten probably three new new agencies just wow. from just just from having a presence at um just from having a presence at uh, the Addies. Now I say I, I got the presence because I I won. So you, mm-hmm. I still think you have to have good work to show for it. But because I got in front of eyes and specifically the eyes of people that are decision makers in agencies, um somebody you know i'm i'm now i'm now buddies with uh, one of the account people that uh, said you know i got a call one time i got a call and they were like hey we're at this agency um we had this idea for a video we don't really know how to we're kind of bouncing back and forth on how to execute it but we thought maybe stop motion might be a way to do it can we talk and so i had coffee with um one of the creative directors and just told them like more kind of like what we're doing right now just talked mm-hmm. about my studio what my passions are what my own aspirations are and the type of content that i want to do um you know commercial commercial narrative storytelling like mm-hmm. the like the um iron giant video that i did that i was telling you about from mondo fit was right within that lane you know and i could point back to that video as well as well as like a whole bunch of other videos that i've done since then and say this is like i would love to do this and so uh, and that's that's what kicked it off. And I can literally point back to them going, Mason, we saw you at the Addies this year. We'd love to work with you. So as much as a as much as it is hard for creatives to put themselves out there and and you know self promote, I do think yeah. it's super important. Uh, and if I hadn't done that, I mean, I wouldn't have. I, I, I who knows where I'd be, but I definitely wouldn't have gotten one of my favorite gigs ever you know and because of that gig i got to work with the puppet fabrication team that worked on uh tennessee reed norton who who literally uh was like a puppet lead for marcel the shell with shoes on um, oh, yeah. yeah academy nominated short film and also a little film he was a uh, he was a uh he was on the puppet fabrication team of i don't you might have heard of it the nightmare before christmas what <laughs> yeah yeah and and uh worked on pinocchio the guillermo del toro's pinocchio recently i mean he is like an incredible uh, puppet fabricator, just really, and, and genuinely like a really nice guy, at least from my Mm -hmm. perspective, has just been super kind. And, and, you know, I, I reached out to him and said, Hey, we want to do this thing here in Oklahoma. I don't know anything. Like, I don't know anything about puppet fabrication. I love stop motion. I have my studio. And, uh, and so we, we, we've been working together ever since. And, uh, and we got to, I got to bring in two animators, uh, Sarah de Gadamar, who, Worked on basically, she worked on Coraline, uh, Celebrity Deathmatch, Wendell and Wild. We were also brought in Sarah de Gadamar, uh, sorry, uh, Lindsay Berkabile, uh, who worked on Wendell and Wild. Uh, has done a lot of cool stuff for Adult Swim. What else she done? Uh, she's done a Robot Chicken. So two women that were like incredible animators that I have kind of looked up to as yeah. I've gotten into animation, and I was able to bring them to Oklahoma and work with them. It was an absolute that's, dream. So, that's crazy. Yeah, it's, it is crazy. I, and like I said, uh, I, I feel so fortunate um, to just be where I am. And I, I, I don't know how it's happening or how it's happened, um, but I'm just going to be thankful and try to keep doing it as long as I can. That's like, that's like if I was to just bring Leonardo DiCaprio in here and make a video with him or something. 
(laughs) That's what it feels like. Literally, that's what it felt like. I was like, and I had, I mean, I literally remember, do you know the Animation Industry Podcast? We want to plug another podcast real fast. I I do not. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't dive into the animation. Yeah. Well, naturally I I do. And so Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a fantastic podcast and uh, basically has conversations like this with animators throughout the world. Um, And often stop motion people are on there too. And I, I, uh, I literally remember getting to know Lindsay from a podcast that she had done on there. And I was just blown away by, by, by her work ethic and that interview and how kind she was. Um, and, uh, and Sarah, I've known just by being an animator and loving the work that I've seen that she's put on social media. Uh, and so, yeah, absolutely. Like what a dream to at some point be able to be like, Hey, would you guys want to come and animate in Oklahoma? And they were both so, uh, so kind. And they also just educated me on a ton Mm -hmm. of stuff because, you know, they're kind of seasoned industry vets. uh, And, you know, here I am in Oklahoma, not really in the industry per se. I mean, I'm in the industry, but I'm not, I'm not geographically at in Portland, Oregon or LA where a lot Mm -hmm. of the stop motion stuff is happening. You're directing this, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, what does that feel like to be directing someone that you feel like is veteran to you? I, I, when is that I imposter first, syndrome when that happens or, or? well, may, may, maybe I didn't feel too much like an imposter because I was also pretty open and I'm a pretty open, honest communicator and I'm not, I'm not trying to like puff myself up with like, mm-hmm. I would be dumb to do that, you know? Um, so I remember when I when I talked to both of them, I recall being pretty pretty upfront and being like, "Hey, like, this is I'm a just to kind of explain where I am in my my own career, what the scale and scope of the project was, what I hope to happen from it, um, and also let them know I was like, "Hey, I know you are you've been on feature films, uh, and there's ways to do things. I'm gonna be." naive to a lot of that but i know that you can animate and you're an incredible animator and i think it would be you would only like raise the bar so there's kind of this expectation like hey when you come here like there's gonna i also i'm gonna lean on you and your wisdom and experience and actually kind of i kind of want you to come so i can learn from you even Mm -hmm. um and so uh so no there wasn't you know and with stop motion animation it's not it's not so much i feel like the directing is less like directing in live action where you are working with a, an actor or an actress, uh, and giving them immediate feedback. Um, really with both Sarah and Lindsay, we had kind of a sit down and and talked about the beats and the blocking of, of the animation and said, well, here's what I want. Here's the background of each one of these characters. Here's what we're going for. Um, here's what I would like to see. Um, and, uh, you know, it was cool because I, I should have what I didn't have prepared when before they came was live action references, and both of both both Lindsay and Sarah are like, where's our where's our where's our uh, labs, where's our videos video references, you know, um, and I didn't have that because I was I was one I was just trying to make sure everything was coming into place and like that was like the last thing in my mind because I was like, okay, we have these experts coming in to animate, it's gonna be fine. Um, and they're like, well, we want to know like what you're feeling, you know, in your actual physicality and your movement. So we shot some, uh, you know, on the first day that they both had come, they'd come uh, uh, two weeks apart because uh, Lindsay worked on a smaller 15 second uh, video, and then Sarah did the 30 second broadcast spot. And so the first day that they were there, we both um, we kind of filmed ourselves doing the basic movements of each of the characters whether it's like you know taking a swig of a cigarette and throwing the keys on the table or kind of running around uh, playfully as a kid we recorded those and then from there you know my experience and again like i would i would be honored and i hope that someday get another opportunity to do something similar but there's a lot of trust that you have to put uh into the animators to to do what you what you have to just trust them that once they start, they're starting and mm-hmm. you have to trust them to know that they feel confident in what you're wanting to get out. Um, what, what kind of performance you're wanting to get the puppets from, what kind of performance you're wanting from the puppets. Um, and, 
and also, you know, there's always going to be a discrepancy between what you want and see in your head and what the actual physical puppets are capable of. Because e even though they were beautiful puppets and they're like, I mean, gorgeous, like you couldn't have done a better job uh, on on making these beautiful puppets that we had. Mm -hmm. um, there are still limitations, and that's just that's a that's a mix of the puppets, and that's also a mix of how the puppets work with the set. That's a mix of the space that we have and where the camera's at. So there's going to be just natural limitations and margins that an animator has to work in. And, you know, I feel like the better animator you are is being able to work and be flexible within those shifting dynamics. And, uh, and so, yeah, so they, they, and both of, both of those women were like so phenomenal. Like I'm so proud of that spot. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, like I said, I was watching it again yesterday and it just, it feels like, like such a big, like a big thing, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like you made it in the house. Well, <laughs> damn, that's like the, exactly what I want to hear. So thank you. That's, that's yeah. that. I appreciate that. And we, we worked hard to try to make that the case. Um, yeah. and I, I think we had maxed out, we tapped out as far as what we can execute on within this space. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, looking back, I'm I'm already like I already there's already tons of stuff that I don't like about it just from a creative, you know, wanting to grow from each project right, experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 super proud of it, and like man, the it what's what's crazy is that whenever both Sarah and Lindsay started to animate, um, I was for there's probably two and a half months of pre-production from everything from like storyboarding to previs, concept art, character development, and then the actual set building. Um, there's a lot that went into it up until we got to the actual day of animation. And that whole time, secretly, Denver, I was like, I don't know how this is going to, I was like, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know if this is going to look like dog shit. Um, I, I mean, I wasn't expressing that, you know, but I was scared because right. I was like, I don't know how this is going to come together. And when Sarah, Sarah was the first, uh, first, uh, animator to come in and start working on it. And after that first day, I was like, like, I was like, this looks not only is it not going to, is it, is it not dog shit? <laughs> Sorry. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I don't just know if I should curse. No, you're, you're all good. Uh, yeah. Um, not only is it not bad, it's better than what I thought it could be. And so, and you know, and I, I credit that to again, seasoned, incredibly talented uh, animators as well as as well as uh you know the crew that i worked with to build all the sets and bring it mm -hmm. all together for sure yeah that, that that really resonates with me it's almost like like when i've like written things and then like on set seeing the actors say it for the first time mm. it just feels uh, okay like now this is something it was like yeah. an idea in my head yeah and yeah. now it, it's in the world yeah so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's so satisfying to, to actually, and what's cool is like, you're not an actor Denver, right? You, but you might, you might've written something. I presume mm. you're not an actor. I'm not um, an actor. No. <laughs> I, uh, I have right, been in a few things, but yeah. Yeah. Um, your daughter is the actor. I know that yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so as you're writing for somebody, you're writing for a medium that's, you're not the expert in. And so when the expert gets it and actually like is able to encapsulate what you're hoping for and then like elevates it it's mm -hmm. it's like it's so good well but, uh if if you could leave us with one closing remark of like if you were speaking to a, an aspiring stop motion person or speaking to yourself perhaps mm -hmm. like at the beginning of the pandemic when you, mm -hmm. you you started to have this transition like what what would you say i would say do the work that you that you want to do not for money not, but do something and whether it's stop motion or painting or hiking or whatever it is, like find the thing that makes you happy and endeavor to do that. Um, and then everything, like other things will fall into place, you know, and that some, that might mean having another job that enables you to do that, which is what I, which is what I did for three years, um, before I actually could do this full time. Um, but I think I was just any success that I feel like I've had has been a result of uh, one other people's support, and then also me just trying to stay true to 
hey, I like doing this because I like doing it. It also helps me a little bit with, I feel like burnout because Mm -hmm. I've been there where it's like, you know, I've worked at, I've worked at my eight to five, having a camera in my hand all day. And then when I get home, I don't have any energy to do the thing that I love, which is to be a filmmaker. Right. Um, when that's kind of, and it's kind of a bummer because the thing that I was doing the eight to five was taken away from the, my, the thing that I love. So I really, you know, prioritize, you know, if I'm saying this to future old, old Mason or aspiring stop motion animators or whatever, prioritize your own happiness and the thing that you're pursuing. And I think other things will, you'll, you'll find a way to make it happen. Yeah. Love it.